that you are with us because you tell us when two or three are gathered that you are in their midst and so we welcome you here Holy Spirit and God I'm asking boldly that you would speak tonight that we would hear your voice God that you would engrave your word on our hearts God that your spirit would convict me tonight God, that this not just be another time we gather and we listen and we're like, oh, okay, cool. And then we go home and we go keep playing with our sin and we keep living our lives all the while pretending to be a Christian. God, we're tired of the games. We don't have time for it. But God, if you don't show up, if you're not the one to speak, then this is all a waste. It's all for nothing. It's just a fun pool party. So God, I'm asking that you would speak tonight and that you would have your way in this place in Jesus name amen we're talking tonight about being bold and uh, I was looking up the definition earlier I mean I know what bold means but I like to look up words on webster.com it's like one of my favorite pastime hobbies I'm a I realize a little bit of a nerd for that but um it says this let me find it It says this, bold means this, showing or requiring a fearless, daring spirit. I am not so much bold. I'm probably one of the most undaring people on the planet. Bold, confident, adventurous, free, standing out prominently, being being or set in bold face. Uh, Another sentiment... I say cinnamon every time, whatever. Another cinnamon for the word bold is audacious. And I love, I love the definition of audacious. It says this. Intrepidly daring. Recklessly bold. Marked by originality. Intrepidly daring. What does it mean to be bold? I mean, if you jump into the pool and you do like a giant belly flop, does that make you bold? Yay or nay? How many of you say yay? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you say nay? Raise your hand. Okay, if, okay, here's one. There's someone that's cute in your grade, you like him because it's like the middle school thing to do, and you might tell that person or like pass them a note like, hey, I think you're pretty cute, or hey, hey, or hey with two Y's. I don't know what y'all do. Help a friend out. Help a friend out. Is that bold? Yes or no? How many say yes? How many say no? Okay, one of you tell me what bold is. Tell me what bold looks like for you. You go to their face. You go to their face. I like you. Okay, you go to their face. Okay, you ask for the Snapchat. See, I'm getting lessons tonight. I really came to give some lessons tonight, some tutorials. Okay. Someone tell me something else that's bold in middle school besides asking for a Snapchat code or going up to their face and saying, hey, I like you. What else is bold? Someone else give me an example. Okay. Is it bold for you to ask your friends to go to church? Is it bold for you to ask your friends to go to Wednesday night campus group? Is it bold for you to not cheat on your homework or your project when everyone else is? Right? Like, that's hard. Okay? Let me ask you this. Is it bold to not make fun of the person that everyone else is making fun of? Okay. Everyone here tonight claims the name of Christian. Survey says everyone here is saved. 
The Bible says this in Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says that the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. It says this in Philippians 1, 27 and 28. Lead a life worthy of the gospel. Let your life be an advertisement for how valuable the gospel is. Let your life be an advertisement for how valuable the gospel is. If your life is an advertisement, what's it for today? Like if we just threw on e-break, pause. And your life is an advertisement. Your life reflects something. What is it an advertisement for? Someone bold enough to answer? I said sin. Sin? Fair enough. I respect that, Trapper. Okay. Someone else? What's your life an advertisement of? Huh? Ice coffee. Sleep. Sleep. Sin. Sleep. Ice coffee. Someone else. Netflix. Netflix. Oh, volleyball for sure. Okay. Volleyball. Anyone else? Okay. So, the Bible says, live your life in such a way that your life is an advertisement for how valuable the gospel is. We all gather tonight. We sang. We worshipped, we prayed, but when I asked that one question, what is your life an advertisement of? The top five answers were what? Iced coffee, volleyball, Netflix, sin, sleep. You know what that says about you and I? We've got it all wrong. Really. We've got it all wrong. But what does it look like for your life to be an advertisement for the gospel? What does it mean and what does it look like for you to be bold for Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you guys one of my favorite stories tonight. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And most of you probably know this story. It's the story of David and Goliath. And uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter tonight. But um, I- I'm just going to fill you guys in. David was the youngest of eight brothers. And-, and Israel needed a new king. And so there was this prophet by the name of Samuel. And God said, Samuel, I need you to go find the next king. Just go to where I'm telling you and I'm going to tell you. And so... Samuel goes and and he goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse is David's dad. And and so Jesse's like, oh, you're here for the next king. Let me get you some Cheez-Its by all means. Boys, put on the odor, right? Like this is a big moment because if one of his sons becomes kings, it changes everything for Jesse. And and so the boys line up and and maybe they're flexing underneath their robe sleeves. I don't know. And and they're smiling and, you know, they're throwing a quick tic-tac in their mouth before... Samuel goes down, and so Samuel looks at him, and he inspects each one, and he's like, okay, God is this one. God's like, nope, not the one, Samuel. And so Samuel goes through brothers one through seven, actually eight through two, technically. No, it doesn't matter. Samuel goes through all of the brothers, and the entire time, God is like, nope, it's none of those. So like, totally awkward moment for Samuel, right? Like, okay, did I go to the wrong house? Did I hear you wrong? And God's like, ask if there's more. And so Samuel says, excuse me, sir, do you have any other sons? And David's dad, Jesse, says this. Oh, yeah, but that's just a young one, David. He's out in the field with the sheep. That's just David. Just David. And Samuel says, well, I need to see him. Can you imagine? You don't get, not only do you not get picked to be the next king, but you're sent to summon your little brother. How bodacious is that? That's pretty bogus, right? Like, I can just hear him, David! 
stupid little punk, right? So here comes David, and maybe he's running to the house, and he's got sheep crap on the bottom of a sandal, and David lines up, and he's short, and he's dumb, and his big brothers don't like him. You guys know. How many of you have a little brother? Okay. Then I don't need to say anymore. And so Samuel looks at David, and God says, Samuel, that's the one. Anoint him as king. Because God looks at our hearts. God doesn't look at the outside appearance. So David, at a young age, gets anointed king. Fast forward some years, there's a war between the Philistines and the Israelites, okay? And so the Philistines were like big bad bullies and and they didn't like God and they didn't believe in God and they didn't like God's people. And the Israelites were who? God's... This is where you say people. The Israelites were God's... Okay, you guys are killing me tonight. So... So you have the Philistines on one side of the valley. You have the Israelites on the other side of the valley. And there's this big valley in between them. And it says that they were fighting. And it went like this. Whoever won the war, like if the Philistines won, then all the Israelites would become the Philistine slaves. And they would have to do whatever. I mean, it would be bad news bears, right? Like they no longer have freedom. But if the Israelites won, then everyone else, the Philistines, would have to become Israelite slaves, right? And so, but the Philistines had a giant, a giant by the name of Goliath, who's about nine feet tall, and the tip of his spear alone weighed 30 pounds. He had on all these, I mean, think bronze shin guards, like the ultimate, they probably had a Nike symbol on him, just saying, and he had this coat of armor, and he was huge, and, and he was big, and he was fierce, and he was strong, and he had a bodyguard, as if a giant needs a bodyguard, right, or an armor bearer, rather. And so every day Goliath would come out and he'd be like, boom, boom. And, you know, I, I kind of envision this like the valley of David and Goliath. And Goliath would yell and he would tease the people of God. And he would say, ho, 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 you puny little witch, you. Send me someone to fight me. I double dog dare you. And every day that happened for 40 days. And it says that every day the Israelites lined up. And they stood in their armor, and their knees shook, and their palms sweat, and their hearts raced, and their pits sweat, and they peed in their armor because they were so scared. Right? And so this happened every day for 40 days. That's a long time to be stuck in the middle of a battle. That's a really long time to be made fun of. Just because you wear the uniform doesn't mean you're a soldier. Listen to this. Just because you wear the name of Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. It's not a label. It's a lifestyle. Just because I wear a shirt that has Jesus written across of it doesn't mean I know Jesus. That's just a shirt. You can say all day long that you love Jesus, but if you don't do what he's asked you to do, then you don't love him. Gut puncher, I know. That's what Jesus said in the New Testament. He told the disciples, if you really love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. That's where things start to get a little uncomfortable. Right? I'm just not about it, frankly. So when I want to do the wrong thing, I ask myself, Tara, do you love Jesus or do you not? Am I loving Jesus in this moment? So, the Israelites every day stand on the battle line. They're in their army uniform. And they're just standing there. And every day, Goliath the giant comes out and he talks trash, not only about God, but about God's people, the Israelites. So fast forward. The whole time, 
David is uh, in the field at home scooping sheep poop and, and, you know, helping dumb animals go where they're supposed to go and, and drink water. And so one day, David's dad says, David, I need you to go check on your brothers. Take these cheese and crackers and go make sure they're okay. David said, yes, sir. Made arrangements, hired a sheep sitter, 1-800-I'll-sit-your-sheep.com. Got it hooked up, got the sheep taken care of. And David goes. He takes the cheese and crackers and he goes. And as soon as he shows up, guess what his brother's response are? Is David, go home. Right? Like it's the typical big brother response because they don't want to see David. They don't care what David has to say. But David not only takes the cheese and crackers, he obeys what his father said. Because see, if you love Jesus, you'll do what you're asked to do. A heart that's quick to obey, that's it. But David hears Goliath make fun of God and make fun of God's people. And David says, who is this guy that's making fun of my God and his people? David was audacious, daringly bold. And so David says, look, if nobody else is going to take care of Goliath, I'll take care of him. So King Saul finds out, and he's like, well, uh, okay, at least wear this armor. And the armor's like way too big for David. And David says, no, I've got this. Because God has helped me protect my sheep. God will help me win this against this giant. And David said the reason he said, the reason he was going to fight was for this reason. David said, I'm going to fight Goliath today so that everyone will know that God is real and God is good and God is faithful. It was all about God for David. It wasn't about David. You know what David's brother said? David, go home. You're just here to watch a bloody battle. Get out of here, you little punk. And David said, uh-uh. Not on my watch. I'm not just going to let this bully make fun of God and make fun of God's people. So you guys know the story. David took five stones. He didn't have a single person cheering him on. There was not one person that stood on the sideline and said, Yeah, go David, go get him! Not one person. Not even a fake cheer. Come on, y'all know the fake cheers, right? Yeah, like your friends are like, Come on, you got it! And the whole time, you know, like, No, I don't have this, but thanks for the fake encouragement, right? Been there, done that. There wasn't even one single fake cheer. His brothers didn't believe in him. No one said, David, okay, David, okay, you know what? You're brave, but we'll do our job. You can stand here and watch if you want. Put it on your story, okay? No one stepped in. No one said, David, we believe in you. No one said, can we at least pray for you before you do this, right? I mean, David's just like ultimate chop liver. And it says that David charged Goliath. That means he ran towards the giant. And he flung a stone with a, sling, with a slingshot. And the stone hit Goliath in the head and knocked him down. But David didn't stop there. David went and he took Goliath's own sword. Can you imagine how big and heavy it was? And the Bible says that David took Goliath's sword and he cut off the head of Goliath. And he didn't stop there. He not only killed the giant... He not only cut the giant's head off, but he took that head back to camp. Blood, guts, and all. Because David was bold. David refused to do what everyone else was doing. 
David refused to be held back by what everyone said about him. No one had confidence in him. His family didn't vouch for him. He had no one but God, and his God was enough. I've seen God do incredible things in this group this year. Incredible. I've seen God save a lot of you. Rescue you. Wreck shop in your life. I've seen your group grow from like 13 last fall to how many? Over 40. God has done incredible things in you. But here's my question for you tonight. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Because I don't go to Boyd Middle School. I don't even live here. What are you going to do with what God has given you? And what God has done in your life? Are you going to leave a legacy of iced coffee and volleyball, Netflix and and streaks on Snapchat? Or is your life going to matter? When people see you, do they see Jesus? When people hear you talking, do they hear Jesus? If I didn't know you, I, I wouldn't know. Honestly. I follow you on social media. I see the rape, date, hate, number, whatever you got going on. Do you love me? Do you not? Kiki, do you love me? Whatever. (laughs) And that's all fine. And that's fun. But what is your life an advertisement of? Either Jesus is the greatest thing that's happened to you or it's not. Either the gospel is worthy of sharing or it's not. But everything that you're building your life around, your social media, your boyfriends and girlfriends, man, it's crap. Just be done with it. Because it's not going to matter when we stand face to face with Jesus one day. You know? Don't think for one minute we're going to get to heaven and be like, hey, Jesus, you want to take a selfie with me? I'll be ready. It's not going to matter. Your streaks aren't going to matter. Your comments and followers aren't going to matter. What's going to matter is Jesus and how much you know him and love him and how much you know his word, but not only know his word, but do his word. Because there are people that live in your community who are hopeless because they don't know of a God who loves them. They don't know that God is big enough to save the day. They don't know that God is bigger than the giants that they face. And you are a walking billboard and you know Jesus and you love Jesus. But your life doesn't reflect him. What are you going to do with what you've been given? How will you live your life? How will you be bold this year? What are you going to do on Monday morning? Tuesday afternoon? Wednesday night? What are you going to do on Thursday? Friday? When the parties are happening? Saturday? What are you going to do on Sunday morning? You going to get up and go to church? You going to sleep in? What are you going to do with your social media? Some of you need to delete your apps. I'm just telling you. Because you're playing with fire. You're playing games. And it does not represent Jesus. What will you do with the life you've been given? 
Does it bother you that people die every minute and go to hell because they don't know Jesus? Does that bother you? Does it bother you that there are people addicted to drugs and alcohol because they're so desperate for a fix and you have the answer inside of you? Does it bother you that there are children in the world who have no food to eat and water to drink? Does that bother you? Does it bother you that families are being ripped apart because no one's praying anymore? What's more important to you? Your Snapchat streaks or getting in the Word of God? What's more important to you? What others say about you or what God says about you? Isn't it crazy how we can mindlessly scroll on Facebook for two hours, but we can't spend ten minutes in the Word? Myself included on that one. Doesn't it bother you that we bear the name of Christian but don't live like it? Live your life in such a way that it's an advertisement for how valuable the gospel is. And what is the gospel? The gospel is this. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to forgive you and wants to change your life from the inside out. And there is hope for every single person on the planet. That is the gospel. The gospel is nothing could ever stop God from loving me, even when I don't believe it. That is the gospel. What does your life speak of? I'm going to close with a story. It's one of my favorites. It's a story about a Scottish noble named Robert the Bruce. He died in 1329 at the age of 54. But shortly before his death, Robert the Bruce requested that his heart be removed from his body and taken on crusade by a worthy knight. One of his closest friends, James Douglas, was at his bedside and accepted the responsibility. So the heart of Robert the Bruce was embalmed and placed in a small container that Douglas carried around his neck. I think that's awesome. I think it's gross, but I think it's so awesome. In every battle that Douglas fought, he literally carried the heart of his king pressed against his chest. In the early spring of 1330, Douglas sailed from Scotland to Grenada, Spain, and engaged in a campaign against the Moors. In an ill-fated battle, Douglas found himself surrounded, and in this situation, death was both certain and imminent. In that moment, Douglas reached for the heart strapped around his neck, and he flung the heart into the enemy's midst and cried out, Fight for the heart of your king. Your king is Jesus. How will you fight this year for the heart of your king? How will your legacy play out? You know, I love the story of David and Goliath. It's my favorite. You know what amazes me about David is he had no one vouching for him. No one. But all David needed was a God who believed in him. You guys have an incredible gift through Mr. Owens. Incredible. He would do anything for any one of you. He believes in you. 
and he believes in the power of the gospel, how will you live your life this school year? How will you fight for the heart of your king? I'm going to close in prayer.